Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I feel like we should disclose that before we even started recording. We've just been chatting, yeah. chatting for like a half hour about life. Yeah. And I just, we have so many things to talk about besides running. And we try to catch up as much, much as possible about our life outside of coaching and running. And sometimes we just end up gabbing. So now we're actually recording a conversation. And um, I did update you a bit, but I'll update our listeners on my uh, ACL recovery. I am very excited to report that this week I was able to get a full rotation on a stationary bike, which is huge because until now I've only been able to sort of move my feet back, legs back and forth and not totally get, make a full rotation. And the thought of it made me cringe actually. And I didn't think at all I'd be able to get it this week, but yesterday I was in physical therapy and I sat on their bike there. And for some reason, I just, I was able to do it. Maybe I was loose enough after getting a little bit of stim and massage, but I did it. And then I went home and tried it on my own stationary bike, did it again. And I now have that skill back, which is wonderful. I certainly won't be doing any type of uh, cycling classes yet. I, I need to wait on that, but just being able to have that mobility back and, and using the bike to warm up before I do my strength training is, is truly a welcome change. So I'm really excited about that. And um, I will share my weekly video um, on our Instagram. And that's something, as I've mentioned, I've really been enjoying doing because it allows me to see updates in my progress on the flip side. I'm still not sleeping well. I cannot take it anymore. I'm now, um, on week five, Monday will be six weeks post-surgery. And I just, I, I've tried so many different things. I don't know what it is, but I wake up and it's just sort of this dull pain. It goes away. I go back to sleep, but I I'm just so resentful of it because now I get into bed and I just want to sleep and I know I'm going to wake up. So it's creating anxiety. So in any event, I'm hoping that that improves, but I just want to be completely honest, full disclosure, nothing is perfect. And that is one part of my recovery. Um, Have you talked to Rachel or Dr. Sanders about, um, uh, about, you know, why it's happening? Like, is there a way, is it because your leg is extended and, you know, when you're sleeping, you're in one position, like, is it something about being in that prone position? Like, is there something about that, 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 you know, about when you're sleeping that that's causing that achy, dull achiness? I think with me personally, it's because a lot of healing happens at night when you're still. It's a good and point. I'm someone, we both are, all of our listeners are too. Motion is lotion. We move around a lot. We aren't people who sit still. And I think that when I am sleeping, that's sometimes when things are healing, when yeah. things are coming together. And that's why it's not an acute pain. It's just a dull pain. Um, so I hope that this is a distant memory soon, but I just feel like it's important to share the good and the bad. And that's, it's not terrible, but it's not great. And I, I just feel like it's something that if anyone's listening and has gone through surgery, they probably can relate to this. And it's just something I'm going through, but I wake up in the morning. Okay. In spite of not being able to sleep as well. And that's surprising me too. Maybe it's because I'm not running. And so I'm not taking away energy in that element. Of course, I'm doing a lot of rehabbing, but I'm not moving my body for many miles as I ordinarily would. I miss running, but I'm grateful to not be running right now because of this. Right. Makes sense. Good. How are you doing? 
I'm fine. <laughs> nothing to report. There's <laughs> really nothing to report. So, um, so uh, today we decided we wanted to, you know, do a coaching episode. We've been talking about doing coaching episodes throughout the throughout the season, and it's been a few weeks since we've done one. And you and I have talked before, kind of about, and we talk with our runners a lot, who are busy people, and you know, not anybody. Not, not I would say not everybody, but most people don't have all the time in the world to dedicate to their training. So often, what we are doing for ourselves and our runners is coming up with training hacks how to fit training into life. And, you know, again, not having the ideal, possibly having the ideal, um, you know, schedule to fit everything in that you'd like to fit in. Uh, we're often recommending and implementing ourselves these, these hacks. So we thought that we talk about these hacks, especially as people are kind of getting into the meat of their marathon, of their spring marathon training or whatever training you're in. Um, life is busy and um, how how we and our and how we've advised our runners to um, to you know there are no shortcuts in training but there are efficiencies and there are ways to multitask and uh, we thought we'd go over some of those. Yeah, we came up with these pretty quickly because both of us ourselves implement a lot of these hacks. It wasn't really hard to create this list, but we divided them into categories. And the first category of hacks that we want to talk about is one that is top of mind for all runners who are training for a race, particularly. Boston or qualifying for Boston. And that is speed hacks. How can you run faster without having to run for hours and hours on end? And our biggest uh, advice for that is something we talk about a lot and it's worth repeating. You have to run easy to be able to run fast. Even if that means you're running a little less mileage per day, instead think about your runs as time on your feet. Your body doesn't know whether you ran 5.7 miles or 7.2 miles. Your body knows that you ran for an hour. Your body knows that you ran for 45 minutes. Don't try if you only have 45 minutes to run as fast as you can to get the required mileage in in 45 minutes on an easy day, but instead shift your mindset and say, I'm running for 45 minutes and I'm going to run as easy as I can because the quicker I recover from my runs, the better I'll perform on the meat and potatoes of my workouts, i.e. speed work, long runs, and those harder workouts that really challenge you and more appropriately simulate race day running. So it sounds redundant. We talk about this so much, but Lisa, I know you'll echo my sentiment. We cannot reiterate enough how important it is to run easy on your easy days. And what is the definition of easy? It's a pace during which you can easily run and talk at the same time. Is that pace the same every day? No. On some easy run days, that pace will be extra slow because you will maybe had just run a tempo run the day before, and it's a recovery run. On some days, it might be a little faster, but it should never be fast because if you're running too fast on your easy days, you're running in the wrong zone. And by running in the wrong zone, you won't recover. And then you'll get yourself into a training deficit. And that is certainly not a hack. Yeah, Lisa, absolutely. what's another speed hack that you can think of? Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, runners are trying to struggle to fit in those speed work and the long runs and the easy runs and, and fit everything in. So, so often we're trying to find ways to, to multitask. And a couple of ways we've found to do that. One I particularly like, and I adhere to this, is sign up for a race and make that your um your your faster your harder effort for the week and that may mean um I did this for New Year's Day there was a New Year's Day 5k and um Paul and I ran to the 5k from my house which is about three miles very easy we did the race and then we ran home so we got in about nine ten miles 
Um, and I got in my ski work for the week. Like that's it. That's what I did. So that was kind of my hack multitask. Um, so putting in um, some bursts of tempo into your long run. I, we wouldn't recommend doing it every week. That's not something you want to do every week. But on the weeks where you're not able to get in, you know, a speed workout or a tempo workout during the week, you can add that into your long run, whether that's on your own or that's signing up for a race that also gives you the opportunity to practice fueling at, at faster paces. So um, I actually did that. And that 5k, I, you know, which sounds silly, but uh, we ran there. I had my morning meal, my typical morning, like, you know, what I like to have before a race. And then we ran there and I took a Morton before the 5k. And Paul was kind of like, why are you taking Morton before 5k? I said, because this is like, it's already three miles in, which is normally when I would take it. And I want to make sure my fueling works at, you know, faster paces and it worked out great. So, um, so that's another opportunity, um, to kind of like, um, condense your, your weekly speed work and your long run and, and trying your nutrition. Um, so, you know, so again, either, um, adding in, in those tempo bursts of tempo into your long runs or, or signing up for a race, um, uh, um, you know, incorporating hills is another way to do it, but incorporating um, some type of challenge, you know, a little bit more higher intensity um, into your long runs on occasion. Absolutely. And by the way, no shame in taking a Morton 15 minutes before a 5k, because we have both learned from many of our registered dietitians we've had on this podcast that it actually has been proven to really help in a short distance race. So it does. I've just started implementing that in the last year since I've started um, using Morton, um, because I actually like them. I feel like they just settle well and they, they give me good energy, like even energy. And so I've been doing that is taking them before five Ks or before a 10 K or a 10 mile or like taking one where I normally would not have done that. And I like it. Like it's worked. I don't know if, you know, it's placebo effect or if it's actually, you know, I don't know. I don't have a controlled, uh, experiment where the same me on the same day races without a Morton before and with a Morton. Um, so I can't really tell, but it is worked well. So yeah. So just another opportunity to practice your fueling. Um, and, and like I said, kind of hit many birds with one stone in run one run. Absolutely. And another hack with speed and is add strides into your run. So even if you don't have time to get to the track and do a speed workout, you're short for time and you only have time to run in your neighborhood, for example, on a speed day, and you just don't have, for example, the energy or opportunity to do a full speed workout, throw in six to eight strides at the end of your runs, 20 second bursts of speeds with good form. It's a drill, but it also is another challenge, another stimulus to your body. And a lot of runners use strides to make sure that you are able to run with good form on tired legs, but strides as an ancillary impact of strides is it forces you to get uncomfortable at the end of a run and practice running fast when it's not necessarily comfortable because you're already with good form, good form, exactly. Yeah. So our next set of hacks is strength training hacks. So strength training is something that is the first to go when someone is short on time, but it shouldn't be. And it's hard to do this. We understand because it's not as convenient as running, running, you put on your shoes, you get out the door, you've got friends waiting for you. Oftentimes you've got a route, you get it done. You've got your endorphins, you change your clothes, you go to work. But strength is so important because without strength training, you're going to get injured and maybe it won't be anytime soon, but we promise the cumulative effects of not strength training ever do add up to injuries. We want to see everybody strength training. So what do you do if you feel like you don't have the time to do a 20 
to 30 minute strength training workout twice a week. And by the way, we think everyone has time for that, but we're, we're not judging. What if you truly don't have that time? Here's what we suggest you do. We suggest you split your strength training sessions into the morning and at night. So if you are a morning runner, do some strength right after your run, even if it's just 10 minutes. And then in the evening after work, when you're done with your day, maybe when you're about to watch some TV, return some emails, take 10 more minutes, 10, 15 more minutes and do the rest of your strength workout. You can also do it while you're doing household tasks. If you're making dinner, you're waiting for the water to boil, do your squats, do your lunges. No, it's not ideal because you really do want to do a strain training session all in one session if you can for the cumulative effect, but it is so much better than not doing anything at all. So think about if you don't have a strength training workout handy, we provide our runners with predetermined strength workout videos that Kelly Redman, our strength trainer provides to us. They're great. If you are someone that's starting from scratch and you're overwhelmed by the options, think about strength training elements. You want to have elements that involve pushing, pulling, unilateral work, where you've got one leg work, where you can make sure that one side isn't weaker than another. You want to work on glute work. You want to work on strengthening your hamstrings. You want to make sure you're not quad dominant, but you want to make sure your quads are strong. And of course, you want to make sure your core is strong. And hips, hip strength. Hip strength. Finally, you want to make sure you've got some plyometrics in there. Plyometrics, and we'll talk about this in a moment, can also be in your drills before you start your run. So those are some hacks for strain training. Bottom line, don't be overwhelmed by the time. Split it up if you have to. We talk about exercise snacks a lot. That's what this is. And try to think about creative ways to fit it in. Please, we beg you for this training cycle, try to do your strength work. It will make a difference. We promise it will. I'm going to add one more strength hack before we move on, but um, cut 10 minutes off of your run. That's not going to make a difference. Use those 10 minutes at the end of your run to get in 10 minutes of strength. Cut 20 minutes off of your run. It's really um, one day a week. If you cut that time off your run, it is not going to um, impact your, your run training. And you're going to get that benefit, like you said, of the strength that's going to help um, not only injury prevention, but running efficiency as well. So great point. Um, yeah. So it's warm up, warming up hacks is very similar, um, you know, multitasking. Um, when you wake up in the morning and you are making your coffee or you're checking your email on your phone, um, do some drills, do some plyometrics, do some um, high knees, some butt kicks, do some mobility. Um, we give our runners some mobility workouts. You can do part of a mobility workout. Kelly Redmond has given us a pre-run workout that we provide for our runners, 10 minutes. So that's super easy to do as you're multitasking in the morning. So um, similar to the strength of like kind of finding that that short amount of time to multitask and, and just fit it in. Same thing uh, with warming up. So long run hacks. Long run is something, interestingly, we find with most of our runners, it's not necessarily about finding time to fit in the long run because the long run, of course, is often on the weekends. And many of us look forward to the social aspect of the long run. And it, it's really the, the meat and potatoes of any training plan is being able to get out there and see firsthand your progress as you add a mile or two each week to your long run. It's very exciting. But there are a lot of people out there that don't have a weekend, don't have the luxury of being able to do a long run on the weekend due to scheduling issues, whether it's because you work on weekends or kids schedules have you running all over, you know, the East coast to hockey tournaments and whatnot. It's often hard, especially for people who have kids of a certain age to fit in that long run. So what do you do? 
Well, there's no rule that the long run needs to be on the weekend. Lisa, you and I both prescribed this. We both do our long runs on Thursdays or Fridays. And that's because our schedules often on the weekend don't allow us to. But what if you don't even have time to do that because you're working on Thursday or Fridays and you don't have enough time to fit in a long run? Then adjust, one thing we suggest you do is adjust your routes and do loops when you're rushed. Because if you set out to, let's say you only have an hour and a half to do your long run and you want to get in so many miles, but you think of it in terms of time again, as we mentioned before, if you're able to do loops and you have time to do one more loop, it takes out the thought process and it kind of prevents you from stopping because you are at the end of your route and you just don't have time to think of where else to go, or you don't want to get stuck at an out and back and not be able to make it home in time by doing a, a predictable loop, although boring, we understand that you will save a little bit of time. Loops are just as effective also as driving to a designation to do your run. So again, if you're short on time and part of your long run is driving to and from the beginning of a route, put in a good podcast instead and, and just run on your own and run in a safe area, obviously, but do loops. We promise it saves a little bit of time. Loops for me are a mental hack. I'll tell you, like thinking about a run that, you know, might be 20 miles instead of thinking, instead thinking of it as I'm going to do five loops of my, you know, four mile route that I like, um, or I'm going to do what I've started doing is I'll do like three loops of my two mile loop. And then I'll do four loops of the one and a half mile loop that I have, and then I'm done. And so for me, it's, it's also a mental hack. The other thing that we've recommended couple of things that we've recommended some of our runners who are shorter on long run time do. Um, first is there you do not have to have a long run every week. It can be every week and a half. It can be every two weeks. Um, really, it's your cumulative weekly mileage. So um, we'd actually rather have mileage spread out throughout the week than have you do a 20 mile long run on the weekend and then nothing else the rest of the week. So if you have to do three seven mile runs and then instead of doing you know an 18 mile run on the weekend you do 13 or 15 you're still getting cumulative weekly mileage and you'll get in the, the you know for a lot of our um, masters runners especially our runners over 55 or 60 we spread out those long runs for more recovery so there's no rule if you don't get in a long run every week that you're not going to you know it's not that you're going to be unprepared for the marathon so that's one one way to um you know, uh, to work around a busier schedule. And the other way is to split runs, um, either split long runs or mid-distance runs midweek. If you, you know, trying to get in a little bit more distance in the middle of the week and you don't have time for 12 miles in the morning on a Wednesday, maybe you do eight. And then later in the day, when your kids are in soccer practice, you run four miles. Um, that's also, a, you know, another way to get in a little extra, extra, extra mileage. And um, it's not ideal. And we wouldn't say, you know, to do it every week, but it's certainly a way, same thing with the long run. If you can't get in 18 miles, but you can get in 12 and then you can get six later in the day, um, that's still, again, that cumulative mileage. Great suggestion. And it's hard because again, the long run is social. So sometimes it's hard to think beyond that. And I go to this place every weekend, I meet my friends at this time, and this is what we run. But Truly, if you feel like your long run is taking away from other things that you need to be doing, these are hacks that offer you some flexibility. And maybe it's not every week, but just know there are options out there if you feel that some weeks you're under pressure to do things other than just run on a Saturday or Sunday morning on the weekend. So our next set of hacks are nutrition hacks. And I know we'll have some more of these tonight when our registered dietitian from Meteor Nutrition, Kelsey Pontius, comes to speak to our runners on Zoom. And 
um, unfortunately we're recording this before her presentation or we'd probably have a few more, but these are some hacks that we implement ourselves. And there are so many out there. I mean, my gosh, get on TikTok or Instagram. You'll see all kinds of reels on nutrition hacks, but these are some hacks that we do that help us. And I just want to give everyone a forewarning. Neither of us do that Sunday prep thing. I see that a lot. We don't have time. You and I don't have time to spend four hours in my kitchen on a Sunday cutting uh, fruits and vegetables and whatnot. So what I do, that's a hack is when I grocery shop, right when I'm putting my groceries away, that's when I cut up my fruits and vegetables. I also buy a lot of berries. I love berries anyway. And so, so do you, I was about to say my kids, but I only have one kid at home right now, um, my kid. And so, um, I, I do buy a lot of those anyway. Those are super easy. You don't need to cut those up, but, um, fruits, vegetables and whatnot. I really try to cut them up and divide them as soon as before even putting them in the refrigerator. And that's a hack for me. And that way I'm more likely to snack on them. Another nutrition hack is the crock pot. I know the crock pot is a mixed bag. Some people love them. Some people hate them. I personally love a good crock pot meal, especially in the winter. One of my favorites is chili. I'm going to give a shout out to my friend, Jen Siegel, who um, is the once upon a chef. She um, runs that Facebook page and that website once upon a chef and cookbook. She has a great chili recipe. I make it all the time. It's um, her white chicken chili. Highly recommend, super easy. I do in a crock pot and I cheat and I use rotisserie chicken, organic rotisserie chicken and shred that. So it's a real easy meal. And I have it for days for lunches yeah. after a dinner. Another nutrition hack that I do is um, egg muffin tin. So you take a muffin tin and you use an egg and then you use all kinds of different vegetables. You scramble it, you put it in the muffin tins, you bake it at 350 and then you pop them out and you've got for a few days Days, a protein and vegetable friendly snack or post post run snack, or eat a couple of them for breakfast and boom, you've got protein and you've got vegetables and then add a side of a carb, which of course can be fruit, piece of toast, half bagel, whatever suits you for breakfast and boom, you've got something that's portable and really healthy. What are some of your nutrition hacks, Lisa? They're not as, as good as yours. Um, I don't really rely on, um, I do use a crock pot a lot, but leftovers and portioning out leftovers. So um, having those for later in the week or when I do my grocery shopping, like buying extra and freezing um, like muffins or, you know, whatever. Um, I'm not as good at making my own, but if I'm going to have muffins and I freeze half of the ones that I buy and then we have them readily accessible and easy. And again, leftover, especially I'll, I'll usually make more than I know that we'll eat and then have, have those leftovers that are easy, easy to portion out. So that's, that's kind of my, my main, my main hack. What's your favorite source of protein? Because, you know, you and I are always looking for quick sources of protein, protein, carbs are easy to get. Yeah, but protein sometimes you have to think about more. What are some of your quick sources? I I'm, I eat um, chicken and poultry, so a lot of like chicken. Um, you know, I'll, I'll make batches of chicken, um, whatever we're making, like like or a chicken chili, or even um, I'm trying to think like what we've had this week. I did um, chicken shawarma um, that I made in the crock pot, and so I have leftovers of that. So mine mine is um, I I do eat like deli meats that are usually you know I usually get the ones that have um, you know that are free of any whatever nitrates. nitrates exactly mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. But I do like, I love the giant, I go to the giant grocery store and I get sliced um, like honey, honey ham or, you know, maple smoked ham or something like that. And I will have that a lot. So that's in my fridge a lot. Um, um, you know, so that's, that's usually my go-to in terms of protein is I'll go to chicken or turkey or, 
Um, trying to think what what else, but those are those are kind of my primary sources. Yeah, mine lately have been. I get on kicks. I'm really into cottage cheese these days. I know that's a love it or hate it food, but I love cottage cheese, so that's been a good one for me. Um, usually, I do Greek yogurt. I've gotten kind of sick of it lately, so I think I'm substituting the cottage cheese. And of course, I I do a lot of eggs, so that helps too. Um, you can put egg whites in oatmeal, and you got some protein right there. There's like good ways to sneak eggs in. I feel like in recipes, that's yeah, I'm eggs doing. are good too. That's eggs is a big thing here too. Like I'll make a lot of you know either omelets or um, you know, make, make things with eggs. So that's, that's another protein, a protein source. Um, so let's move on to recovery hacks. Um, recovery is, especially as mileage is building is important and like strength is very quick to go out the window. We get our run and we get home, we get on the rest of our day and we forget about recovery. Um, but what I found, and actually I got this tip from Paul who does this, like he sits on his foam roller on his chair that he's like when he's on calls or on his computer for, for work, or he'll take, uh, you know, like one of those, like a lacrosse ball or one of the massage balls and put it under his feet. Um, I started keeping my um, Theragun near my desk and I'll take it out when I'm, you know, watching something or in the middle of a call that I'm just listening to and I could put it on mute. Um, so keeping those recovery tools near your desk or in your car, that's the other thing is having like a stick in the car. And when I'm sitting and waiting for the kids to come out of school, I can pull the stick out and just use it on my quads or, um, so keeping those, uh, those recovery tools handy when you're working or when you're, um, in the car, when you have idle time, I think is, you know, is really important. I'll even keep an extra pair of like compression socks in the car. So if I end up doing a run out somewhere, like, and I get in the car, I can put the compression socks on when I'm going to drive, spend the next three hours driving kids around somewhere. So, um, you know, I said like keeping things handy, like very, um, close to me for when I'm working in the car. I love that. I have to say, I'm the one in my office that always has the foam roller and for everyone comes in when they need, when they <laughs> keep them rolling, they know I have a ball in my, I've had a ball in my office for years and a foam roller, and it's gotten a lot of use, not just for me, but from many of my coworkers as a result of that. And it does work. And it's just something to do too. When you're on a long conference call, just being able to do some foam rolling quietly, it makes you feel like you're, you're productive and, and, and engaged listener because you're able to do something else at the same time. Yep. Speaking of doing something else at the same time, um, uh, we're going to talk about mental health hacks and that sounds weird mental health hacks, but this is what we mean. Sometimes it's really easy to get stuck scrolling. Scrolling is super counterproductive, especially if you're short on time. And that's what this podcast is about when you're short on time. So we suggest if you're using scrolling as a positive tool to gain inspiration for your running and fitness, we would suggest switching to listening instead because when you're listening to an audible book or podcast for inspiration, you can do so while you're running, walking the dog, folding laundry, cooking, or pair it with something you hate to do. I hate folding laundry. I hate emptying the dishwasher. I bribe myself to do these things by listening to my audible book or podcast. So obviously anyone who's listening to this is already a podcast listener. So we encourage you to fill up your audible book list or your podcast queue with some additional ones, maybe not related to running, maybe just related to other topics you want to learn about. I mean, Lisa, Lisa and I often listen to podcasts well outside of running and we share them with each other, what we like to listen to. Um, I think it's As a, a side note. Have you started bone Valley? I haven't started bone Valley, okay. but like, why don't you put a plug in for that? Anyone listening yeah, who likes true crime, true crime podcast, bone Valley. That's all I have to say. It's very, uh, it's, it's very, um, intriguing and disturbing, but, uh, it's a good one. Okay. I will admit me and the rest of the United States right now, I'm listening, I'm listening to spare. Oh, <laughs> and I saw this funny meme 
I'm sure you might've seen this. It says, if you are the oldest child in your family and you haven't changed the contact name of your younger siblings to spare, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> I thought that was so funny. So I sent it to my sister. <laughs> Very anyway. nice. Okay. So yeah, mental health hack. There are so many, but one, we just really believe that you are what you consume, just like you are what you eat. You are what you consume on social media. So cut the crap out and think about what you're consuming. And if you can do so while multitasking, that's a, that's a time hack too. So also important are sleep hacks and especially important for um, us and for the many of the people we coach who are just, you know, trying to fit everything in and sleep for me is the first thing to go. Like, I'll just say, well, I'll just stay up two hours later and get that done and still up at the same time in the morning. So sleep hacks, um, set an alarm for bedtime, like have it in your alarm clocks to remind you like it is bedtime. And even if you don't get to bed right then, at least it's in your mind of like, I got to start wrapping things up. Um, uh, obviously you setting, you know, setting, a, a, an alarm, um, for, you know, to, to get up in the morning, making sure that, you know, you're consistent with your sleep. Um, one thing that I would love to take advantage of that I don't get to very often, but, um, our cat naps. So if you're somebody who just isn't getting a ton of sleep, you know, it's just work schedule, whatever it is. And that's just this, you know, just the reality cat naps. If you can get 20 minute nap in during the day, it definitely helps. Absolutely. Naps help. There's no shame in it. Pros do it all the time. Since we're training, why don't we think like a pro take a nap? Don't feel guilty about it. Um, I sleep really well in carpool line. <laughs> yeah, actually. So, I mean, I've done that too. Yeah. I mean, you got to kind of pay attention, but if you're stuck in a queue and you can't in a line and you know, you know, you're there for a while, it's a great time to take a yeah. nap. All right. So morning hacks. So you've gotten a good night at sleep and now it's morning and what can you do in the morning? So one of the things is a very obvious, we hope everyone does this already, lay out your clothes the night before, place your pre-run fuel in a place near your clothes. If you are someone who's not usually thinking about eating before you run, put your breakfast or your pre-run snack, if you don't wanna call it a full breakfast, in your refrigerator, right where you can see it. So when you open up your refrigerator, it's right there with your water bottle that should already be filled with your hydration before your run, grab your breakfast, grab your water bottle, boom, you're done. Um, if you're someone that's preparing your water bottle in the morning, we suggest you don't it, that takes what two minutes to fill it up, put some ice in it. If you do that, put in your hydration, just do it the night before it saves time. And then that way you're not running around. And it also reminds you how important it is to bring hydration on your run. Yeah. I've got a winter running morning hack that I do now. I, um, when I get up and I'm getting my stuff ready to, to leave, I throw my jacket in the dryer and turn the dryer on for the 15 minutes it takes me. And then my jacket's nice and warm because I'm always cold when I head out in the cold winter mornings. So I, I put my jacket and sometimes my hat in the dryer, like on the, just whatever cycle, like finds like the wrinkle, de-wrinkle cycle, but it's still warm. So, um, yeah, so I do that in the mornings too now, and I'm getting ready to get my stuff together. I love that. Dryer. That's a great idea. I, I love that so much. That's a great idea. Yep. So let's wrap it up with, um, you know, mileage hacks. That's We're all thinking about mileage now and how to get in this mileage, especially as we're building it towards peak marathon mileage later this winter. Um, so, um, you know, we talked a little bit about this before, but, it, you know, it's, if, if you don't have the time or, you know, you're just not in a position to be able to add an extra day or a lot of extra mileage, you can add short run second, second runs, you know, the double up, um, 
later in the day uh, is, you know, I, I would recommend it be an easy run. Um, uh, it depends on what your morning run is. But if you've got, if you know, you've got 45 minutes while your kid is in soccer and you might be able to get in three or four miles um, easy, um, and then you've got in your car, your recovery stuff. So you can then get in the car and do some foam rolling or to do, you know, take the stick and, and do some rolling. Like that's a way to fit in a little extra mileage without having to add an extra day and another morning where you're waking up to get your gear on and get out the door. Yeah, it's, and it's not, we're not saying that everyone needs to implement two a days. That's not what this is about. It's about, let's say you want to increase your mileage by like one to two miles the next week, but you don't have time in the morning to add one to two miles to your run already because you're short for time. Adding in a very easy flush out the muscles, one to two mile run. That, that's a great way to do that. Two days is a different topic. And we can talk about that on another episode. This is more about squeezing in a couple more miles here and there. It's not about gearing up and running two runs a day regularly, because that is something that a lot of runners do. And we have nothing against that if it's appropriate for that particular runner. But Lisa, I don't know if you remember this, when we were coaching um, many years ago, there were some days where we would do our long runs on a Friday. And then several hours later, we'd be coaching a run walk program. Yeah. And we would end up sort of not thinking about that mileage as counting toward our overall mileage, but it absolutely did. We'd end up run walking with our runners three miles in addition to our run earlier that morning. And what it ended up doing for both of us, because it was the day before most of the time, our long runs, it ended up aiding our recovery because it was long enough time after our initial run, we got back out there, you kind of flesh out the muscles, you weren't as tight. And then when you woke up the next day, you weren't tight or sore from the run the day before. So it takes a little practice to get used to it, but as long as it's very easy. And for us, it was, it was run walk. It's a great way to eke out a little bit more mileage per week. So yeah. Those are our hacks. And for those of you who are still listening, thanks for joining us today for that. It was something we enjoyed creating. And we know that time is short for many of you who are listening. And as a result, we give you an extra special thanks for listening. And it may seem uh, counterproductive today for us to ask you this, but uh, we really appreciate all the reviews that have come in. And we would so appreciate if you haven't done one already. Our last review was on December 31st, 2022. We'd love you to be our first reviewer in 2023. So if you haven't yet, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. It helps others find us and we so appreciate it. So Lisa, I hope you have a great week. Thanks, Julie. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryan. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.